Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Melting. Yeah, absolutely. I am sweating inside my house, even with the AC on. I have to turn mine off because uh, it's literally directly above where I sit. So all you would hear from the microphone is like, (laughs) (laughs) but um, I woke up this morning and um, I was going to go to Malibu because, well, I did go to Malibu with um, Grace because she's training for the triathlon and It was 91 degrees in Malibu at 8 a.m. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I walked Milo this morning. We got up extra early, like on a, for a, you know, Sunday. Yeah. And got up at 7.15 and started walking maybe like 7.30 and it was 89 degrees, like something like that. (laughs) And I was like, how am I supposed to live, laugh, love in these conditions? Like this is. Simply cannot. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to leave my apartment for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Just gonna sit in the air conditioning, even though you're not supposed to be like turning things on, you know, because like power uh, outage and stuff. Yeah, I know the you can't help it. <laughs> we've been told it's so crazy because as they have now rolled out the all electric vehicle manufacturing by 2035, and then simultaneously, right after start sending out messages please conserve electricity because our grid cannot handle it i'm like do you guys are you guys hearing what i'm hearing mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah um but i just wanted to like highlight that obviously like we have ac yeah a lot of people that don't have ac and that absolutely you know like if you're an unhoused person like you might not even have like a place to like get relief from the heat right and uh, obviously there's a lot that goes along with that there's like heat related illnesses and like dehydrated dehydration related absolutely and then you and I like you remember when we did our tree equity um, uh, research and found that you know many communities just don't have enough trees and so they they are experiencing even more extreme heat and so it's just really very heartbreaking to know that there are, you know, lots of folks in many communities that even in their shelter are Mm -hmm. still experiencing even worse heat than, you know, other folks. And it's just very disappointing. Yeah. So we wanted to highlight Water Drop LA. Yeah. Who is a 100% volunteer run community organization whose mission is to provide clean water and other necessities to communities facing water inaccessibility. And they distribute 2000 plus gallons of water to Skid Row each week and provide water to partner organizations across Southern California. And so they are asking for increased donations with the heat wave to accommodate more folks and just increase their services to provide water to people who are um, you know, experiencing homelessness or just have a lack of accessibility to water. Right. So we just wanted to encourage anyone who is able to monetarily donate, or if you're in LA, think about volunteering or supporting them however you can. Um, also, if you can't volunteer, just, um, handing out like frozen or cold water bottles to unhoused folks. Um, Like you could go to the dollar store and and grab water or to the grocery store, Costco or wherever. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing, like just keep some water in your car. And if you can, if you run into somebody who may be in need and you can do that, you know, it's always appreciated. Yeah. So just because it's been so insanely hot, like literally into the like late night, early morning yesterday, like all through the night, it was just, I don't think it probably didn't go below like 75. Yeah, no, I took Milo for a walk at 8 p.m. and it was still in the 80s. Yeah. And I was completely, I just couldn't. I was, I remember I was like standing outside with him and I'm dripping in sweat. Yeah. I was like, what? Like, what is this? Like, yeah. what has my life come to? So, yeah. Yeah. So, Very if someone nice. tries to come at me and say climate change isn't real, I don't oh. even want to talk. I don't even want to stop right there, babe. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be a no from me. Hey, welcome to Urban Planning is Not Boring. I'm Sam. And I'm Nat. So Sam and I were asked, we were sent the sweetest email and this lovely human being um, not going to say their name cause I just, you know, privacy reasons, but they sent over this nice and reassuring email about how much they love the podcast and just all this stuff. And then they posed a question of, you know, what was the process like of getting into graduate school, applying to graduate school? Um, and they kind of posed this question and Sam and I had been considering like a short conversation that we could have to record an episode. And so we thought this would be the perfect topic to discuss. And so I think Sam posted on Instagram asking you guys what questions you had. And we kind of, you know, summarized all the questions and, and we're going to talk about that today. So I'll let Sam kick it off. Yeah. So we're going to talk about applying to grad school, everyone's favorite topic, um, <laughs> we probably have a little bit of a uh, different experience just because it was during COVID. For sure. Um, like I will preface with saying that I did take the GRE, mm-hmm. which is like I did the not. entrance exam. And yeah. uh, I, I ended up taking it relatively early in the school year when I, cause I came straight from undergrad and like two weeks after I took the exam, every school I was planning on applying to made it optional yeah. or just said we're not accepting it and I had already sent the exam because when you take it right. you send it to four schools you send it to the university yeah so I was like well they're gonna get my score they mm-hmm. can do with it what they please but yeah. um, the first question that we got or I guess a couple that kind of I think go hand in hand is is it worth it to go to grad school right after undergrad and should you go into grad school with a specific career or job in mind and I think important to note in this question is Natalie and I have both just come out of undergrad. Right. So we both are a little biased in the sense that we did go yeah. to grad school right after undergrad. Right. But I would say my two cents as someone who's done that is if you are in undergrad and you kind of have a really strong idea of what career. So this is why I think they kind of go together. So Yes, absolutely. You should go into grad school with a specific career or job in mind. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's worth it to pay for grad school and spend the time doing it if you're not sure, or at least right. at this time, like if you're not sure that that's what you want to be doing in the near future. Right. 
Um, it's just a lot of time and a lot of, you know, money and effort. And mm-hmm. you should like, definitely, I think, be confident in what you plan to do. And if you feel that way during undergrad, I think, you know, going to grad school right after is great. Um, we have people in our program that, uh, you know, have come right out of undergrad. We have people who took gap year or have worked a little bit or did a total career switch. Yeah. So I think it really just depends on like how, like, if you know for sure what you want to do and you want to pursue that level of higher education. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it would be in anyone's best interest to go to graduate school without a clear understanding or goal as to where you want to be like in the next five years in terms of your career, because what ends up happening is when you get to grad school, you pretty quickly have to declare like your concentration and Mm -hmm. and what you, you know, what you want to be pursuing in your program. Yeah. Because the grad program is going to start catering, not just education, but networking Mm -hmm. and like networking opportunities. Um, And so if you are feeling that, you know, you're currently an undergrad and you don't know like where you want to go in your career. I think that's a time where it would be not as beneficial to then go into a grad program because you, there's just too much uncertainty and then you'd be spending money and you could potentially end up not liking your program and have wasted all of that time and energy when you could be working full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like Sam said, like we have a lot of people in our cohort who, they either did come straight from undergrad or they were, I had a, a classmate who um, worked for a, I think it was like a sanitation plant. And then through that somehow met somebody who works in transportation, then became really interested in that and then did a full like 360 and is now in grad school studying. It'd be a 180. Sorry, it gets you back to where you start. You are 100% correct, Sam. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. I just didn't want anyone to be confused. Sorry, sorry, sorry. They did a 180, not a 360, my B. Um, and so I think that you do have to have a certain level of certainty only because you would be doing yourself a disservice in the end. Yeah. And I mean, so full transparency when I went into grad school, like I definitely didn't have a specific job in mind. Mm-hmm. However, I did have like a pretty, pretty good idea of like the career. Absolutely. I didn't, I, I didn't know like would I end up in like environmental or like transportation, mm-hmm. but I knew like I wanted it to be in that realm of yeah. planning. And so I yeah. went in and like, just since taking classes and meeting people and trying different internships, like I've definitely feel like I've tailored and honed in on what I want to pursue post-grad right. school, but um, yeah, so it's not like you have to go in with a title or a company. No, of course not, yeah, you don't have to say, like, I'm going to be a transportation level one at X, like, agency, but I'm just like Sam, where when I was in undergrad, I was a public policy major, and I knew that there were certain aspects of my degree that I was quite interested in, like mm-hmm. the challenges with homelessness and how we're going to tackle homelessness. But I wanted a career in which I was not developing policy or, mm-hmm. you know, a policy analyst or, you know, really on the policy or politics side, I wanted to be like boots on the ground, like doing the actual work to address 
housing and homelessness. And that's when I came into housing and real estate development and urban planning. And also like the fact that my dad is an urban planner kind of gave me like that advantage of at least knowing that that was an option. And so that was my reason for pursuing a postgraduate degree or second degree, my master's. And I think that that's where you also need to determine is it worth it to go straight from undergrad into a graduate program or to go from undergrad to working full-time? Because for me, I know myself personally, and I know for a fact, if I stopped going to school, I would not go back. And that's something where you really have to kind of personally check in with yourself Mm -hmm. and acknowledge, like, would I go back if I take this gap? You know, do I have enough discipline and motivation and, and, you know, drive that if I take a year or two years off that I'll go back. Some people can, and some people can't, I'm not one of those people. I know that for a fact. And so I just wanted to take all of that, like ambition that I had and really like push that and accelerate forward. And so Mm -hmm. I went straight into graduate school without working uh, first. And so I think that was the best decision for me. And then you just have to kind of decide what's going to be the best route for you. Yeah, absolutely. The next few questions that we got um, are a bit more specific about like the process of applying to grad school. So um, the next one is how was the letter of rec process? I can talk a little bit about mine. Do you remember how many we needed? Was it two or three? It was three. Okay. So I'm sorry. I believe it was, no, it was three because you needed two from uh, two Two professors and then you needed one from like work experience. Okay. So I will say, um, I, I wrote a senior thesis in my senior year of undergrad. And so my advisor was kind of like an obvious choice Mm -hmm. for me because I had worked so closely with him that year. Um, and he was really overseeing my work. And so he knew my work ethic. He knew just a lot about how I functioned and why, you know, I might be a good fit for the program. I did get turned down by one professor who I also had my senior year who just said it would be better if you ask someone who knew you a little bit better. Right. Which at first kind of caught me off guard, but then, you know, I started thinking about it and it does make sense. I, I asked someone who I thought would look good writing me a letter Uh when I should have really from the start asked a professor who like knew me really well. Right and could speak to my strengths and my ability to succeed in the program. Mm -hmm. And then I think I asked my boss at the time who, who did I ask? I don't remember who I asked for my third one, but I just remember when my professor said, I think it'd be better if you asked someone who knew you a little bit better, that that really like is true. It doesn't have to be a teacher in planning or a teacher in geography or a teacher in policy. Like it can be any professor that you've had that has really made a connection with you and can really speak to your strengths. Absolutely. I would also recommend um, when, and if they say yes, to then write what you want them to focus on, like some Mm -hmm. skills, some experiences um, that they can then use to guide their letter so that they make it more personal and always write a thank you note. Yes. Absolutely. Thanking your letter, your letter writers. It really just means a lot. And you should show them that you are like very thankful. 
um, but keep in mind that you will need three. So go to office hours, get to know your teachers, get to know your professors. That's my, my uh, advice. Yeah, I'll second that and just kind of take it from there is I'm really big on like, get to know your professors really well, Mm -hmm. because it is for sure going to be a benefit to you. Even if you're in undergrad right now and you think, no, I don't think I'm going to go to grad school. I think I'm just going to, you know, knock my bachelor's out and like get it over with still establish good, strong relationships with your professors and stand out in your courses because it can come as such a benefit to you in more ways than one, not just letters of recommendation, but many different things, you know, networking opportunities or opportunities to do research. If you become really interested in a topic and you want to work with a professor. Um, and so like where Sam's professor had said, you know, go to a professor that knows you a little bit better. My big thing has always been telling people, make sure all of your professors know you really well. And I know that that's like, for some people, they're really, you know, you, maybe you're a little bit more introverted or you, um, don't, you feel uncomfortable, maybe like going up to a professor, you're intimidated, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case may be, email them, reach out, like reach out in any way you can go to office hours. If you feel comfortable doing so allow them the opportunity to know how, you know, how great of a student you are. And I think that will just come as such a benefit. Um, my two professors that wrote my letters of recommendation, I felt like we were best friends. I made sure they knew like me by name, full name. Yeah. And, you know, I was constantly talking to them going to office hours. So my letter of rec, they were very personal. And also, as Sam said, write like a bullet point list of things that you want them to touch upon in your letter. Um, and then I was doing an internship, uh, during my undergrad. And so I had my, the CEO write me a letter of recommendation and that was also really great. And I made sure I established like a a good relationship with him so that, you know, the letter was personal. And, um, so I think that's just, yeah, I feel like it's the same from both Sam and I. Yeah. And one other thing that I just thought about, I'm pretty sure with the professional, person who I asked to write mine we had like a sit down chat I think it was was over zoom because COVID Mm -hmm. yeah but we just talked about the program you know I filled them in on what the program was why I was interested and it was really helpful I think for them to hear like yeah from me like what the program was why I want to do it what should be focused on right um So I think that's always a good thing to reach out about as well and say, if you have any questions, like I'd be happy to meet with you, coffee, do whatever Um, you really want. You want the letter to seem like the least amount of work possible for the professor, just because they are really busy. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And then in terms of, you know, the kinds of internship experiences that are expected or recommended for applicants, um, Sam and I were talking about this previously, like before we started recording, um, you know, to kind of share like some of our own personal experiences. Um, and so I feel like one of my personal experiences will kind of go into the answer for this. So when I was an undergrad, I was, like I said, a public policy major, but my very first year, I was actually a biochem major with the intention of going to medical school. 
And, um, that was more so like a decision, you know, because my, literally my entire family, they're all medical doctors, except for my dad. And so, um, you know, I was very much so like on that path. Um, and I did really bad. Um, and I did not enjoy the program at all. And so I ended up, I failed a class and, um, it was on my transcript and I was really scared. Mm -hmm. Um, genuinely I was terrified and that very first year, you know, my grades were not good. Then I jumped into my second year and I switched my major to public policy. And then, you know, my grades went up from there, but that's still like, it put a significant dent in my GPA. Mm -hmm. Um, so when I graduated, I think I had like a 3.6. And so I was just still really good. Yeah, it is good. But like, I had an F and a D on my transcript. And so I knew that like, they were going to see that on my application. And I was really scared. I thought like, oh my gosh, I don't think I'm going to get into any programs with, with these grades. Mm -hmm. And I remember I was talking to, um, a mentor and he was telling me, you know, you really need to consider that when universities are looking at you, if they're the right university, they are not looking at, oh, okay, does this person, you know, do they have a 4.0 GPA and do they hold a 4.0 GPA? They're looking at you as a holistic individual. What other experiences did you have outside of academia? Do you actually show ambition and interest in what you're studying? And so where my first year I did have poor grades, my second year I had really good grades. And on top of that, I was doing research. I did a fellowship in um, Sacramento. I was um, doing an internship at a local government agency in Riverside. And so I was really making sure that I was getting as much experience as possible to, Mm -hmm. to really, you know, shape myself as an individual and being able to put that on my application, I think helped with this holistic view of me, not just as a student, but as someone like entering this field that I had, you know, additional experience outside of academia. Mm -hmm. And I think that made a really big difference. I think it helped. Um, I always encourage people that wherever there's opportunity, take it. If it's, you know, too much of a workload, like don't stress yourself out. But if you have the opportunity wherever you can do research, like I did it just five hours a week with one Mm -hmm. professor, Mm -hmm. or I did, um, very temporary research. Like there was a program for the County, they needed some research done. And I volunteered my hours. I wanted to do that. And so I went and worked for the County for, I think it was like an hour a week for, Mm -hmm. you know, a few months. And so wherever you have these opportunities, take them. Um, but don't overwhelm yourself. And I think that would be, you know, in terms of expectations, I do believe there is work experience that's expected. I do believe like you need to have, you can't just have like grades. Mm -hmm. Um, I do believe they, they want a more holistic, you know, individual. Mm -hmm. Um, and I did not take the exam, the GRE. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not a good standardized test taker and I did not want to take it just as, you know, transparent yeah. as I can be. I just, I didn't. And as soon as they let out word that, you know, they, they didn't need it and it wasn't required, I was not going to take it. Um, and I don't think it had any impact on me. I got accepted to every university I applied to. So, oh no, I got waitlisted at UCLA, but um, 
you know, I was accepted everywhere else. So I don't think it had a significant impact. Yeah. I mean, I would just check the Jerry. I don't know if it's coming back after COVID. Yeah. Has yeah, kind of sure. subsided, but it's a very small portion of the application process. Absolutely. Like, yeah. They even not, it. yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of my, I don't really know if, you know, there's a kind of internship experience yeah. that is expected. Um, I personally came into planning a little bit later in my undergrad career. I heard about it in the spring semester of my junior year mm -hmm. um, when I was studying abroad. Yeah. So even after that, I didn't really have anything that was planning specific. Uh, I was an environmental studies major. I know I talked about it before on the podcast, but a lot of my experiences were in sustainability and um, like environmental consulting and that kind of realm like I did. I touched in like corporate responsibility and social responsibility a little bit. So nothing that was like super planning heavy. And I think it's important that you show you have drive and ambition and you're, you know, looking for opportunities or seeking out opportunities to work and kind of experiment in different fields. If that's what you want to do, that's a, like undergrad is a great time to kind yeah. of try everything out. But where I kind of started to hone in into planning was my senior thesis where I was mentored by a transportation planner by trade and a geography professor at UCSB who helped me craft my research question. And it was very much so transportation planning. Yeah. Based. Because I didn't have really any other experience in planning. I really, really wanted my thesis, even though it was in environmental studies. And so I had to connect it back to climate change mitigation or by like bio some way um I wanted it to be planning yeah centered mm -hmm. so that was kind of my only experience that was like specifically planning everything else was more environmental in nature mm -hmm. but I really wanted that highlighted in my application um, yeah. I did have a, a decent amount of internship experience but it was not any one field and I don't think that it, there's an expectation that you have any prior experience in the field yeah but there is and I think I'll segue a little bit into how to make your application stand out I think the personal statement is the biggest way that you can really make your application stand out for sure and I kind of told my story in my um personal statement of how I came to planning and why I wanted to be a planner and why USC or UCLA or whatever school I was applying to would help me get there and would mm -hmm. and how I kind of would make the university proud for lack of a better phrase yeah. so I talked about how I always saw myself going into like environmental work like climate change mitigation specifically or something in that realm and how when I went to Singapore and I studied abroad and I experienced this transit system and like this green city and this different way of living I it really struck me and I took planning courses there and I came back and I continued to pursue that through my thesis and then I talked about all these different experiences that I had had that weren't necessarily even academic or professional but just like in life like yeah. going to a city that has public transit that 
the I would say the majority of people are using. Yeah. Going to a walkable city mm-hmm. and just these like very personal experiences that have kind of shaped what I wanted out of being an urban planner and how I wanted right. to like make impact in different cities. And of course, weaving in my passion for like sustainability and climate change adaptation and mitigation and how those two kind of go hand in hand. And so I think making your application stand out, definitely like have a mentor that can help you with your personal statement, have a lot of different people read it and give critiques and really just like tell your story of what makes you the right fit. Yeah. Yeah. I second everything that was said. And then I'll just add, um, you also, what I think would be so you don't have to do this, but something that I think would also help with the the application process and making your application stand out is, as Sam was saying, like your personal statement is so significant because every single person went to school and Mm -hmm. every single person got grades and Mm -hmm. every single person did some form of an internship or work or whatever. So your personal statement is really the opportunity for you to not only tell the school why you're the best fit for the school, but why the school is the best fit for you. And so one of my big things on every application I wrote, I wrote a separate personal statement. Some people write the same one for each school. I think that it's really important to personalize and draw in characteristics of the university that you're applying to and why you want to go to that school, why that school is good for you, not just why you're good for that school. And so I tied in a lot of how important I thought it was that USC was so focused on social justice within planning. And then you kind of tie your own personal experiences as to you know, why through work experience, you believe that's so essential um, and things like that. And so you, I also, um, I recommend name dropping professors that you're very interested in. I think that's like, you know, very important. Um, So I was researching all of the professors that were at USC, at UCLA, at, you know, all these different institutions. And I was researching like who they are, what their research interests are, what work they do, like, you know, them as individuals, if they've posted papers, I was reading their papers and I was tying that in. And just in my personal statement, I was explaining how, um, you know, I really, really want to work with X professor on, you know, on this topic, because I think it's just so important. And I would really love to learn from this individual. So I think also really personalizing it and Mm -hmm. making it so that the university is kind of understanding that, you want to go there, you don't need to go there. Um, and that's something that I feel is, you know, makes somewhat of a distinction. Um, and I feel like that was what was really important for me. Wait, like, can you clarify what you mean? What do you yeah, mean you want so, to go there, but you don't need to? So how would I say it like differently? Um, sure. Of course. Like I'm applying to the university because I, I do really want to, right. I, I genuinely want to go to USC Yeah, for X reasons. Yeah. I don't need to though. If they don't accept me, it's fine. And I think just making that like clear to them as like this institution is 
something like I want, I have a desire to go here. I feel that, you know, this is going to be the best institution for me to pursue my goals and, and reach my future career in the way that I want to. But if you guys don't accept me, that's fine. Like, I think there's a distinction that can be made in your writing that kind of, you know, lets that be known. And I think that that's where it comes from, like personalizing yeah, your no. writing to that university. So I think that's what I mean. I, that might not come off like as clear, but, um, so I'm sorry, but I think it's just like, I don't know. I'm trying to remember back to like what I wrote in my personal statement. And I can also like, we can post them. I think like I have my personal statement still, like I can post them. I think I have mine. Yeah. As like Where? an example. Um, so, and there, I think the hard part was the personal statement was short. Like yeah. I was kind of short. sad that like, I didn't have a lot of space to like write more. I think um, it's 500 words, right? Yeah. It was very short. I was really yeah. like, dang, okay. This is uh this is kind of a, you know, mm-hmm. a struggle. Um, so again, I worked with a professor, like Sam suggested, I worked with a professor mentor who, um, helped me with writing my application. And he just gave me a lot of tips of like, I think it's just like the way he framed it was write with such confidence that like, they can't afford to lose the opportunity to have you as a student. Yeah. And I think that like, there are ways that you can do that in writing that just make it you know, like you have a desire to go there, but you don't, you know, need to, if they don't want you, like if if you try to make it sound like it's their loss, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was like a big thing that I was told in, you know, for my writing. Yeah. I will say I was on team change a few of the, not a few, but I I would keep the bones of the essays. Oh yeah, for sure. And just change parts where I got specific to each school I also dropped yeah um I was researching professors I was talking about their research why I would love to work with them or even learn from them in classes and I'm pretty sure both of the professors I named I have either worked with or had class with now that I'm thinking about it yeah it's pretty funny um I feel like I was gonna say something else but honestly my (laughs) Like my head is empty. My train of thought went, <laughs> just left the station. Yeah, that's yeah. And the, I I never mean like rewrite your entire essay for each university because yeah. like if you're applying to a lot of schools, that's ridiculous. Yeah. But um, so as Sam said, like keep the bones, but don't make it so that like you're just copying and pasting into each university. Like you do yeah. need to personalize in some f- shape or form like mm-hmm. characteristics of that university that allows the reader to understand like, wow, this person really went to all the trouble to really research. And like, they clearly are making it known that they are very interested in our university for very specific reasons. And I yeah. think that's like what I would, you know, like clarify. And make sure that two things, one, you control F every single one and make sure there's no other school you're applying to. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's easy to skip one thing that says UCLA if you're going to apply to USC. And they, and like everything that I went to about grad school, they always said, you would be surprised how many people turn in essays that say other schools in them yep. and make sure you're turning the right one into the right school. For sure. Because those are like just the easiest ways to kind of not blow your chances, but Mm, it I mean, gives it a knockdown because yeah, you're not being sure. careful. So for sure, be careful. Yeah. 
I mean, that really is like you're texting, you know, a friend and you call them the wrong name. Like it does, it stings a bit. Like reading it, you're like, oh my God, I am not Sarah. Like, why would you, you know? So (laughs) not a jab at Baba. Yeah. You call me Sarah. (laughs) Yes, of course. I mean, it does, like it stings a bit. Like, no, I I thought that was hilarious. I I thought it was funny, but like, I just, it yeah. is really like you, you do need to be so careful. I tell him that all the time. I'm like, oh yeah. my God. And sometimes when he doesn't know someone's name, I do this all the time. If he doesn't know someone's name, he'll mumble it. So that oh, like, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. you know, maybe like a, a letter. So it's yeah. like, oh, hi, Susan. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. So very much so. Please just thoroughly read your essays after the fact. Yeah. Have somebody else read them. Yeah. You know, just make sure you're double checking all your work because it is really important. And you don't want to like kind of mess your chances up by doing something so small like that. Yeah. And then um we had a thing that I think I'll mention um because I I didn't see it on UCLA's application. I actually don't think I saw it on any of the other university applications where USC had like the Dean scholarship merit scholarship mm, application the inside the entire um, application. Yeah. And, and I, there's a special scholarship deadline. So if you are considering, right. make sure you get it in by the earlier date. Yeah. I think it's you don't want to blow your shot at a merit scholarship. Yeah. I believe it's December 15th. Cause it was my birthday. I was like, okay. Um, I don't know if it's the same like every year, but yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah. So do the early deadline, but yeah, USC had the, the scholarship application within the bigger, like your entire application, which I really liked because when I was looking through UCLA's, I'm pretty sure they had like, there was mention of like, do you meet these like criteria? Like you would check Mm -hmm. boxes and stuff. And they would tell you like, here are the available scholarships you could apply for, but Mm -hmm. I didn't see any like merit school. I don't, I really don't remember seeing a merit scholarship in my application or like through any other university that I applied to. So, um, I did really like that. Um, you know, because you just, you don't even really have to think about doing something else. It's like already included in the application. And if you get the scholarship, you get it. So I thought that was great. Speaking of scholarships, and then I think we should end because it's been a little bit, but We have a little bit of differing opinions about paying for grad school. Yes. I personally do not think it is worth it to go if you would have to pay 100% of the tuition Mm -hmm. because there are many, many programs where you will get at least a partial scholarship that will make it, especially at a private school because in-state tuition Actually, I don't really even know how in-state tuition works in grad school at public school. I just know for undergrad, like we both had in-state tuition. Mm-hmm. Don't know how it works, but like, I don't know. That's my philosophy is that it's not worth it if you're paying full price. Yeah. Sam and I do not agree. No, we do not. <laughs> um, because, so I think we, there are things that I agree with you on and there are things that I kind of, I would go a different direction. So uh-huh. You know, you make mention of, um, you know, if you have to pay 100% of the tuition, like, don't go. Um, I personally see it as, sure, if maybe the career you're entering in, like, you would 
put yourself in so much debt that you have no chance even after getting your career that you're going to be able to pay off your debt or you're just going to be struggling. You know, I mean, of course, like this is a serious financial decision. And I think also sometimes like I speak from a place of privilege because I've never had to pay out of pocket for my tuition. Like my family has supported me through all of my school. And then I did get a scholarship to USC. So I only pay half of my tuition. And so I do think that there is like a significant privilege that I come, you know, speaking about this, but I think my thought process behind it is grad school is intended to give you the most expertise and almost certifiably will get you a job. And I believe like USC is really big about talking about this. Yeah. They've got like such a significant amount of people straight out of grad school that, um, you know, have a job already lined up even before they graduate. I got a job, a very good job while I've been in the program. Um, and so I think that, you know, you do, it's like a cost benefit. Yeah. I believe it's quite beneficial that, and it depends again on like the career that you're going into. I didn't have an urban planning undergrad program. So maybe if I did, okay, maybe like I didn't need to go to grad school, but I still believe that undergrad is giving you a very generalized education about a topic. Your master's degree is going to give you a more specialized, concentrated focus. Yeah. And so that's where I feel like I don't think the, you know, paying a hundred percent tuition is necessarily a bad thing because it is an investment that you most likely will get a return on. Not always, which is why I like, that's where I do agree with you. You need to kind of consider like what program you're going into, what career opportunity there is. You know, nobody wants to say this, like, it's always supposed to be like, Oh, but you, as long as you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. No. You need to survive. We yep. live in California. The rent is $8 million a month. You know, you can- Eight million. Yeah, it's 8 million. You need like, what? You want a 20% down payment on a house that's averages in Los Angeles, 900 grand? Are you kidding me? And they just like, you know, they just expect that like, oh, you can do it like just by working hard. Yeah. Um, No, like you do need a pretty significant career and- yeah. and um. And paycheck for that. And so I do think that like, yes, you do need to do like a cost benefit analysis to see how, how it's going to, you know, end up for you. But I would disagree as like, I don't think just the fact that you would have to pay hundred percent tuition means you shouldn't do it. So that's the only place I would disagree with you. Fair enough. But I still love you. Well, and I just good. want you to know that. That we can <laughs> argue and not hate each other are we arguing right now no, we're is this an argument that wasn't the right word okay any last tips um don't apply to grad school just because you think you need to I think that's like a really big one for me because you know don't go into something just because you think like that's the the next obvious step or the next thing you need to do you have to really enjoy it cuz i'm telling you right now i cry most of the days on my way to class oh i cry most of the way <laughs> the days on my way back also because... don't live 2 hours from your grad school yeah. if yes. you can if you can help it yeah if you can help it that's that's the one the that's one the, caveat the, yeah <laughs> yeah if you I'm... can afford it right but no i mean really like consider you know are you so passionate, so interested, have so much ambition to pursue 
this career in this subject that you really know grad school is like the right next move for you. Mm -hmm. that's really important. Otherwise you are essentially wasting your money um, and you're wasting your time. So I think that's like one thing for grad school. It is secondary education. It's completely optional. So um, just really, really think about it. (laughs) All right. And with that, now everyone's going to be like, I don't think I, I don't think I want to (laughs) go. No. (laughs) Everyone's going to be like, do I actually want to go? Well, I don't even know. I don't know. It's kind of scary though, too, because now it feels like there's a lot of places that don't even like, even with an undergrad degree, you're not getting a job. Like it's hard. Like I understand the market, like job market right now is really challenging. And so, you know, secondary education can almost, I mean, I don't want to say is essential, but it, it is important. And so I don't want you to, and this is the other thing. I don't want it to be superficial where you're like, ah, oh, you know, like, no, I don't think I'm going to go. No, like really sit with yourself and think about it because yeah. it's a, it's a huge commitment. It's a lot of time. It is a lot of money. And, um, you know, you have to be really passionate about this, this topic because it's so interesting, but if you're not passionate about it, yeah, you're not going to enjoy it at all. And yeah. so I think that's important. All right. And with that, I think we'll conclude. Yeah. Best of luck. Stay hydrated. Please. Stay cool. Yes. Both literally and stay cool. I wish you could (laughs) see me right now. Peace out. Yeah. Sam threw up a little peace sign for you guys to stay cool. Stay cool and drink your water. Thank you so much for listening. We really hope that you enjoyed this episode of Urban Planning is Not Boring. If you did, please remember to send us to your friends and follow us uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Remember, guys, urban planning is not boring. No, it is not.